Hey there, thank you so much for listening to the Big Time Talker podcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network. I'm Burke Allen, broadcasting live from Washington, D.C., and uh, our guest today is Dr. Boyd Purcell, and we're going to talk about spirituality in the time of pandemic and how that's bringing comfort to some folks and maybe not so much to others. Our podcast is service today of SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. If you're a speaker or maybe you're a meeting planner, visit SpeakerMatch.com to figure out how to go about getting your speaking event happening online. That's SpeakerMatch.com. Well, Dr. Boyd Purcell is based in West Virginia. You can visit him online at ChristianityWithoutInsanity.com. And he's written a couple of books that have done very well uh, and are available at Amazon.com, including Spiritual Terrorism and Christianity Without Insanity. And uh, lots of folks live in, in sort of a fear of spirituality while others are drawn to it, especially when times are tough. And that's why we thought it would be great to bring Dr. Purcell into the conversation today on the Big Time Talker podcast. Boyd, it's good of you to be with us. Thank you so much. Hey, Burke, it's good to be with you. So this is something that you have, have studied for your entire life. Um, and I, I'm curious with the big change in the world that all started here in the United States in March with the pandemic, um, what role you think spirituality could and should play in a person's life uh, during a, a really troubling time like this? Well, I believe that uh, people should see God as a source of strength and help and grace and uh, mercy, uh, that God did not cause the pandemic, as some fundamental Christians believe. Of course, some believe everything that happens, God causes it. But I do not believe that God is micromanaging the creation, so things just happen, but we can look for God for help and grace and strength in a time of need, which is what the Bible encourages us to do. How could a loving God have any hand at all in something like this, or even allow it to happen? Well, there's an important thing to understand. In the Old Testament, a lot of Christians look at that for trying to find the causes of things, and you see that the Bible, if you take it literally, uh, that there are a lot of bad things happened, and some things it says that God did, and God killed people, and uh, which means God's love is not unconditional and everlasting, if that's true. But there's a key word, a psychological term, called psychic determinism. Now, psychic determinism is connecting in one's mind to unrelated events happening closely in time. These things happen, God doesn't cause them. It's commonly known that, uh, or commonly said, that, that nothing is impossible for God. And if, in fact, yes. that's the case, could could a loving, caring God decide, okay, pandemic is done, there's no more of this, this is over? Well, that's a very good question about nothing being impossible for God. And the Bible does say that. At the same time, the same Bible says that some things are impossible for God. For example, God cannot abuse power. Uh, because God is absolute power and our absolute control. Now, there's an old wise saying that says that power corrupts, absolute power, power corrupts absolutely. And that's true for human beings. But God is perfect power under perfect control. But if God, for example, um, you know, creates people and then, as God has done, and then demands perfection of them, as Christian fundamentalists claim, and as I was told at growing fundamental church, and if you don't achieve spiritual perfection in this life, then God, who is love, is going to torture you in literal fire and hell forever. 
that made absolutely no sense to me when I first heard that as an eight-year-old. It makes no sense today as a 77-year-old, uh, because I understand the Bible, and I understand a lot of uh, literary devices of hyperbole and anthropomorphisms attributing human characteristics to God or to inanimate things. And there's a lot of that in the Old Testament. Dr. Boyd Purcell is our guest today. You can visit him online at uh, ChristianityWithoutInsanity.com. That's also the title of his latest book. He's also written a book called Spiritual Terrorism. They're both available at Amazon.com. And I had an opportunity to meet Boyd several years ago. Found him to be a very uh, intelligent, very level-headed guy and somebody that I wanted to talk to about the spiritual aspects uh, of what we're all going through during the pandemic. Uh, Boyd, what would you say to someone who is not uh, spiritual by nature, perhaps they're not a Christian, perhaps they don't follow any religion at all, in terms of what they should do or, or what they can find inspiration in in really difficult times like we're going through today? Well, that's a good question. I encourage people to be spiritual, not necessarily religious. And uh, I've seen a lot more people who are spiritual but not religious. They're non-judgmental. They're loving. They're kind. They're generous and giving to people. So uh, other people I've seen are very, very religious, keeping all the rules and regulations. Yet are very unkind, unloving. They're judgmental. So I'd rather be what Jesus said rather than what uh, some religious people tell me that I should be and do. What do you think is the biggest misconception that uh, that non-believers have about Christianity? Well, I think uh, there's a really good book, a couple of books. Uh, one is called Unchristian. The other one is Next Christians. And they, they say, I think this is based on a national uh, scientific survey, that people perceive Christians to be very judgmental, uh, narrow-minded, bigoted, and so on. So they're really turned off to what people say about Jesus, though, as people understand what the Bible actually says about Jesus, rather than what people tell them it says. They like Jesus, but they don't like Christians because they tend to be so negative, narrow-minded, and bigoted. And in fact, in your experience, that's not necessarily the case. Well, I like to think not. Uh, I grew up in a very narrow theological perspective and was told that you have to accept Jesus as your Savior or get damned to hell forever. But you Christians can also lose their salvation then, uh, just as easily as you get it. Uh, If you smoke or if you drink, if you go to a movie, if you dance— uh, even if you, you go to hell for a sin of omission, just failing to do a good deed, you go to hell. So I lived in a great deal of fear about that, whether I was saved or if I lost my salvation. And some claim if you lose it, you can't even get it back. Others believe you can. There's so much divisiveness on that. And this uh, emphasis on eternal hellfire and damnation, it really turns a lot of people off. And uh, fortunately, I discovered over 30 years 30 years ago that the Bible, the Greek New Testament, actually teaches that Jesus is the Savior of the whole world, not just part of the world. So I believe in Christian universalism, that God's going to save everyone. There is a hell, but it's uh, not literal fire, and it's not forever. It is for the purpose of purifying people. And Jesus stated that in the form of a mixed metaphor. I've asked many people over the years. I wouldn't embarrass you by asking if you heard this, but you can say if you want to. Have you ever heard of the Jesus metaphor of everyone in Gehenna, that would be hell, translated by the King James, everyone in Gehenna being salted with fire? I've asked theological professors in college and seminaries and pastors and priests and lay people, and virtually no one has heard of it. It's right there in the Bible in Mark chapter 9, verse 49. 
And uh, so it's a mixed metaphor for purification. Jesus clearly believed the universal salvation and taught it that he was the savior of the world. And yet today, almost all Christians have been taught and sadly and tragically believe that only a handful of people are going to heaven and God, who is love, is going to torture the vast majority of human beings forever in literal fire, even those who never heard the gospel, never even heard the possibility of salvation in Christ. That's what I call the spiritual insanity in so-called Orthodox Christianity. And, you know, where you live, and I happen to know, uh, because when I met you, you were in Charleston, West Virginia, you live in a place where there are lots of folks that would absolutely go to the mat with you and believe something completely different. So uh, it's pretty gutsy for you to, to come out in a, a public forum and write these books that, that say otherwise. I do believe it probably gives our folks who are listening today some level of comfort because, you know, none of us are perfect and we all we all uh, make mistakes, and, and hey, maybe some of these things aren't even necessarily mistakes. Dr. Boyd Purcell is our guest today. You can visit him online at ChristianityWithoutInsanity.com. And uh, you can also pick up a copy of his book, Christianity Without Insanity or Spiritual Terrorism, online at Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Um, Boyd, I'd like for you to put your counseling cap on for just a moment because you did that professionally for many, many years. Sure. Um, if someone right now is gripped by fear and uncertainty because of this pandemic, how would you advise them to to get past those fears and those uncertainties, whether they're health-based or, or economic-based, as the country begins to open back up afterwards? Well, I would just say put your faith in the Lord and the positive thinking and realize that God is not causing this. God is with us. And there's some scriptures that are really very helpful if we read those and not listen to the negative doomsayers. Uh, one is that this is Psalm 33. Uh, the Lord is upon those who reverence him. By the way, the King James there says fear, but fear in that regard is uh, reverential awe of God that's referring to. So having reverence for God, who our hope is that he gives us mercy. We hope in his mercy to deliver our souls from death and to keep them alive in famine, or it could be other natural disasters or plagues or pandemics, our heart shall rejoice in him. And it says of the poor and the needy, that God is my help and my deliverer, and God will I trust, in Psalm 40. And uh, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. That's a very dramatic way of saying, regardless of all the upheavals of life, that the Lord God is with us. God is our refuge, as Psalm 46. So uh, I could go on and on, but there are many verses like that in the Bible. For example, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endures forever. That's Psalm 138, verse 8. Dr. Boyd Purcell, our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast brought to you by Speaker Match. We're talking about spirituality in the time of the pandemic and and dealing with these fears and these challenges that, that are coming up. And uh, Boyd, I think you have a very unique perspective, and you've talked about it in, in your book, Spiritual Terrorism, whereas, uh, you know, as a young kid, you were sort of taught this this hellfire and damnation version of the Bible, and, and that tends to scare the crap out of young people. I can very uh, clearly remember as a young boy, uh, street preachers handing out tracts, which were small yes. comic books for kids, and you open that thing up, and man, the images, I mean, they're seared in my mind, and couldn't have been more than 10 or 11 years old. I wonder how much of that sort of thing 
has caused the worldwide decline in in Christianity and and in religion uh, overall. What are your thoughts on that? Why are people turning away from the church? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's a lot of fear rather than love, and young people really don't want anything to do with Christianity by and large, and they turned off uh, by in masses and uh, in Europe. The church attendance is now down on Sunday mornings is down to less than 10% of the population, and they're already talking about, in Europe, the post-Christian era. The same thing is happening here in America, though it's slower, but we're getting there. But the church, uh, in its demise, as it is presently constituted in its fear-based religion, uh, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. But I believe that the church will come out of this. It'll be revised, revitalized will be loving and kind and merciful, the kind of church that Jesus taught. Let me give you an example. You mentioned uh, scaring the hell out of kids. Um, there's a lot of that in the Bible and the Old Testament. For example, uh, it says that because some young people called a, a man of God Baldy, they were teasing him and called him Baldy, that God sent she-bears out of the woods and devoured to kill them, these young men. Uh, isn't that a fearful thing? That scared the hell out of kids, wouldn't it? You don't uh, tease a man of God? Sure. Well, I believe that's another case of psychic determinism, that this specifically says she-bears. So these were female bears, probably had cubs. These young people disturbed them with their cubs, and they were protecting their cubs, and so they killed them. God had nothing to do with sending those bears out of the woods to kill the young people because they called the man of God baldy. But there's so much of that kind of thing in the Bible, and they'll quote these kind of verses, taking things out of the historical context and trying to scare the hell out of young people, but they're scaring them away from the church rather than into the church. And Boyd, if, if you were to wave your magic Boyd Purcell wand and and be able to, to make some changes to, to get uh, young people, people in general, more interested in the church and in Christianity, uh, you know, what would you do? What would the, the one or two or three first steps you would take? Well, that's another excellent question. I'd be doing what I've been doing my whole life, especially in the last 30 years. I would, number one, uh, let people know without equivocation that God's love is all-inclusive. And we've heard that in John 3.16, which is the most um, quoted verse in the Bible, probably. If anyone's memorized the verse, it's probably John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. The next verse is very important, in verse 17, that says that God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Somehow that gets left out. The second thing I would say is we need to understand that God's love is unconditional. And we find that in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. And it begins by saying that God's love, that's agape love, is patient. And I think it's not max that Paul listed patience first. Because God is infinitely patient, but Christopher Mullins teach that God is so impatient that God gives people one brief lifetime on earth, and then if they haven't accepted Christ, even if they've never heard of Christ, then God is going to torture them forever in a little fire of hell. Because I'm going to say, God is patient, God is kind, God is loving, God, uh, this love believes all things and hopes all things and endures all things, and love never fails. So if God only saves a few and damns the majority of hell forever, then God is a big failure. But God's love, and therefore God, who is love, never fails. God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to save the whole world. As evidence, as Jesus said, if he were lifted up from the earth on the cross, 
he would draw all people to himself. All people, not just some people, not just a few, but all people. And then and, uh, we're told, I make sure that people understand that God's love is everlasting. It says that in Jeremiah 31, verse 3, that God's love is everlasting. His mercy also is everlasting. In Psalm 136, the psalmist has 26 verses in it. That psalm has 26 verses. And each and every verse, it says that his mercy endures forever. And yet people claim that God's patience is very limited. His mercy ends. His love is very conditional because God is going to torture people, human beings in hell forever because they haven't done this or that or they committed a sin of omission. They didn't believe right. They didn't do right. Upteen reasons why God is going to torture people forever. It makes absolutely no sense. That is the spiritual insanity in fear-based so-called orthodox Christianity. Dr. Boyd Purcell joining us in the Big Time Talker podcast today, and we're talking about the role of religion and spiritualism during these chaotic times. Um, what would you say to someone, Boyd, who said, well, look, you know, in the Bible there are all these miracles that happen, all this magic that happens that doesn't happen in today's world. Therefore, that's all got to be bogus, and these are all fairy tales. I'm, I'm sure you've heard that question before. I'd be curious to hear how you answer it. Well, I believe that miracles happen. God certainly can do whatever God chooses to do. But God apparently doesn't choose to perform a miracle every day. Every time someone asks God to do it, it would be a miracle. A miracle is something that is supernatural, happens very infrequently. But some people treat God like a heavenly bellboy. It's like, oh, God, I got this big problem, ring-a-ding-ding, God, I'm calling. Uh, uh, you know, I need this or that. You know, give me some money and uh, uh, fix things up with my wife or girlfriend or whatever. And then when God does it or it happens, uh, if it happens, then they give God a tip by basically maybe going to church for a couple of Sundays, putting some money in the offering plate, and then say, okay, God, I don't need you now. I'm going to do my thing until I have another crisis in my life and so on. So that's just a lot of nonsense, I believe. So God uh, is able to perform miracles, but does it infrequently, and uh, God should not be treated like a heavenly bellboy. Do you believe that, that God literally speaks to some people? And if so, has he ever spoken to you? Well, first of all, he's never spoken to me in any audible way. The Bible makes sure God speaks through his word. and But there are people who claim that God has spoken to them very audibly. And I pray to ask God to do that. God hasn't done that. And I don't think it's because I'm a bad person. I would put my life up against anyone else who says that God has spoken to them. But I think it's a rare occurrence, and I doubt it. And I grew up in a Pentecostal church. If you know what that means, but there's a lot of emotionalism, a lot of feeling, people claiming that God told them this and God told them that, and they were raising their hands and shouting, glorifying God and all that. But in their life, I didn't see much evidence of God's uh, goodness and mercy and love in their life, and I really doubted whether God ever told them anything. Uh, but if they did, that's between them and God, but uh, God has not to spoken to me in any audible way. Hey, Boyd, you're a West Virginia guy. I also grew up in West Virginia and uh, been gone for many years. You mentioned the Pentecostal Church. Um, there, there are lots of TV shows and documentaries that show uh, some of those churches uh, doing the, the whole snake handling thing. And I want to see if that oh, is something that ever happened to you when you were a kid or if you can explain to the rest of the world who's listening what that is all about. Well, uh, that's one thing the Pentecostal Church I grew up in did not do. 
others did do that, and some they're not Pentecostal do that as well. But that's based on Scripture and uh, the last chapter of Mark, and that's even debatable. Most scholars think that that part of Scripture was something added later by some scribes. It was never the original part of the Bible. It talks about lifting up serpents and them not biting you. But there are people who believe it, especially here in West Virginia, the Appalachian area, who tried it. Many people have got bitten. Some have died over that. And it's just uh, more legalism and nonsense, I believe. And it's just really tempting God and showing really poor common sense. I believe that God expects us to use the good mind that God has given us. But the interesting fundamentalist claim that we are so depraved as human beings that we cannot trust our minds to reason properly, so we have to just blindly, unthinkingly, accept a nonsensical hand-me-down religion. But the Bible says, and God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah, says, Come, let us reason together, says the Lord, but your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Now, if our minds are not capable of reasoning properly, why would God, who made our minds, call us to come and reason together? Uh, you got a good point there. Um, Boyd Purcell is the author of a couple of great books on Christianity, Spiritual Terrorism and Christianity Without Insanity, and that is also where you can find them online, ChristianityWithoutInsanity.com. Uh, boy, the, the difference in the Old Testament God versus the New Testament God, uh, you know, you look at it in broad terms, and it seems like the Old Testament God is very punitive. He's a tough guy. He's a bit of a bully. Not so much in the New Testament. So explain that to folks that may not really understand it. Well, it's another really good question, and people really read the Old Testament, take it literally, and see God as very angry and wrathful and vindictive God. But the New Testament, that isn't the case, and there's only one instance in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, about supposedly God killing someone. In fact, it says that God killed Ananias and Sapphira. Now, these, this is a husband and wife in the New Testament who had accepted Christ, and it said that people were selling all their goods because they're expecting the Lord to come back at any moment. And they were bringing them into the church and giving all that they had to the apostles, and the apostles were giving out to the people as the people had need. And so Ananias sold the property, and they sold it for more than what they wanted to give. So they told the apostles they had given everything, when in fact they would kept back some money for themselves. And uh, Peter called them on that, and uh, they were so upset about that, uh, supposedly God killed them for that, both he and his wife. But I think that he may have been so embarrassed and hurt and uh, so convicted by his sin of uh, withholding the money he promised. He didn't have to give anything, but he said he gave everything when he didn't. So he died maybe of a heart attack or stroke due to that, and then his wife uh, came in and realized he was dead. She died as well, I think probably over grief and so on, possibly. I do not believe God did it. Now, in the Old Testament, though, there are many examples where it says that God actually killed people. Now, probably the best example of this kind of misunderstanding, I believe, is the great flood story where God, due to the sin of human beings whom God created, uh, got so sinful that God decided, what the heck, I'm going to send a great flood and kill everybody in the whole world except eight people, eight senior citizens who will repopulate the world. Now, keeping in mind that the Bible says that God is omniscient, and that is all knowledge, which includes foreknowledge. 
So God got blindsided, though, by his creation. God, who had foreknowledge, did not realize that he made human beings with a free will, that some, many, most, or all would sin. Then God uh, was so taken aback by that, so blindsided, that God said, oh, my goodness, my creation's gotten out of hand. I know what I'll do. I'll kill everyone except one. It would seem more logical to say, I'll kill everyone and start over with a new batch. But God didn't. God created the Great Flood. So I do not believe that is literally true. I believe there's a Great Flood. I don't believe that God sent it. There's a flood story in almost every culture. But I believe that uh, God did not cause the flood because it would make God look like a fool. And God is no fool. God is loving. He's compassionate. God is all-wise. And he's omnipotent. He has all power. Uh, so it's just a great misunderstanding that and many more examples like that in the Old Testament. Our guest, Dr. Boyd Purcell, is a spiritual scholar and the author of a couple of books, including Spiritual Terrorism and Christianity Without Insanity. You can find him online at ChristianityWithoutInsanity.com. So as we wrap it up, Boyd, the pandemic is not God's will and we're all going to be okay. Is that right? Well, we're going to be okay as we trust the Lord. Now, some people have died, and some good uh, people, good Christian people, as well as people of other faiths have died. But again, only God did that, but uh, the people who have left this earth will go to be with the Lord. God uh, loves everyone equally, and God is going to save everyone. And this is borne out with out-of-body death experiences. I have uh, at least a dozen books on that. In my cast with hospice patients, uh, with hundreds of dying patients, uh, somebody uh, shared that had an out-of-body death experience years before. And they were totally loved by the being of light. They perceived God to be. And God gave them a loving view, review of their life, and God accepted them. God is totally not judgmental. We have review of our life, which we see our impact on other people's life. Uh, if we gave pleasure to people, we feel how good that felt for them. If we inflicted pain on people, we feel how bad that feels. But no one gets burned in literal fire at all, and certainly not forever. God accepts everyone as children. I like the comforting thought that we'll leave it right there, that uh, we're all going to be able to go to a better place no matter what. Hey, Boyd, I appreciate your time today. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Thanks for being here. Well, I did. and appreciate it. And uh, may the Lord bless you and your work. And I hope people will search this out, especially people who've been spiritually abused and terrorized. Terrorism being the most extreme form of spiritual abuse, which leads to the spiritual insanity. And you can uh, read about Boyd's thoughts on that in his book, Spiritual Terrorism. His other book, Christianity Without Insanity. And you can find Dr. Boyd Purcell online at ChristianityWithoutInsanity.com. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it so much. And thanks to our sponsor, Speaker Match, for making the Big Time Talker podcast a possibility. I'm Burke Allen. Wherever you go, whatever you do, be good to others, and stay safe and healthy, would you? Bye, everybody.